Apple is previewing a number of security changes for iOS 8, the forthcoming version of its operating system for iPhones and iPads. But what are these changes, and do they have upsides or downsides for Apple users in the enterprise? Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Managing Editor for Europe at Information Security Media Group. Joining me today to discuss the iOS security changes is Candid West, a principal threat researcher with security response at Symantec. He's based in Zurich, Switzerland. Thank you for joining me, Candid. My pleasure. Thank you. For a baseline comparison, how would you rate the current iOS 7 security? iOS is definitely good security just out of the box already. So iOS 7 and the whole approach that they choose by kind of closing down the app market makes it really secure by default. So you nearly have no malware when the device is not jailbroken and all the features which are implemented are pretty sudden. Well, of course, you have to keep in mind that there is no 100% security even on the smartphone. You might remember a few issues that we had even this year, like the go-to-sale, the SSL box, which allowed anyone in the same network to actually read encrypted traffic. Well, there's some discussion now after a few security conferences about forensic tools, which are basically left on the phone and allow anyone who has physical access to read out private information from those devices. So if you look at, let's say, general vulnerabilities which are found, we had last year 107 vulnerabilities on the iOS side, and for comparison on Android, only 17. So a lot more were found. Of course, that doesn't mean that iOS is less secure, maybe just more focused by the researcher, but it shows that there are some issues and they have to be taken care of. But in general, iOS is definitely quite a secure platform. That's quite a stark contrast. I would have expected there to have been more vulnerabilities on the Android side than the iOS side. Yes, it's always kind of surprising for most people because there's not so much talk about those vulnerabilities on the iOS side. Of course, not all of those 107 vulnerabilities from last year were critical or allow, let's say, remote code signing or code execution. But after all, it's vulnerabilities. So it shows that there are some holes which sufficient sophisticated attackers might be using to actually execute stuff. And if you remember a few years back where there was the jailbreakme.com website, that basically was a drive-by download. So going to a website would compromise your device. There it was for the greater good to actually jailbreak your device, but it could have been used to plant a Trojan horse on your smartphone as well. As we move toward iOS 8, based on what we're seeing in the version that's now available to developers, what seem to be some of the most notable security changes for you? iOS 8 actually introduced quite a lot of good changes also for security aspects. One of the most notable is probably that apps can now use kind of extensions to talk with each other. They're kind of breaking out the sandbox approach that every app cannot talk to anything else than the operating system. But now through a iOS broker, they can actually exchange some information. And that will definitely help because that makes it easier for other apps to actually interact with each other without giving full permission to all the data. Previously, would apps have been able to communicate at all? Or is this going to enable some new kinds of functionality. This feature will definitely enable new functionality because in the past there was no real way to communicate other than using a cloud service, so transmitting everything into the internet and having secondary apps then connect and get the information from there. But we all know users don't really like if all your data is stored and traded online unencryptedly on a cloud account. So we think it's definitely a right approach which makes hopefully a few new interesting applications for now. What are some of the other changes that users can expect? 
Touch ID is definitely also an interesting new feature. Well, it has been there for more than a year already, but only for system applications. So Touch ID, that's the fingerprint authentication message, which a lot of people are using to unlock their iPhone without typing in a passcode. And this feature will now be available in iOS 8 for other third-party applications as well. So you can actually use that to authenticate yourself against your online banking application, which obviously makes it a lot more secure because that means you can use a very secure password which is stored on the keychain on the coprocessor, so definitely secured on the smartphone, and just have your fingerprint authenticating you against this application and then unlocking those features. So we hope as soon as many applications are using it or developers are implementing it, that we see the better use of strong authentication with other applications, and that's definitely a greater win for everyone. That's a really interesting point. So previously, if I was working with my online bank using an iPhone, say, I would would have authenticated using a relatively simple password. But because I can now store a longer password in the keychain and use my fingerprint to unlock it, that means access to my bank account will be restricted to that more complex and thus hopefully secure password, right? Absolutely. I mean, we all know that typing in a very long and complex password on a smartphone is kind of tedious. So nobody's really using 16-digit passwords with upper and lower case and special characters. Most use simple ones because they're faster and simpler to type in. But now with the Touch ID and actually the application extensions, you can have even a password safe. There's already some implementations on the beta version that you just have the online banking application request passwords from your password safe. You authenticate yourself with the fingerprint and it will already get the password automatically. So you don't even have to copy paste a password from a password safe that you're using on the same device and then kind of switch to the other application again to paste it in. It would just be by one mere fingerprint scan to actually authenticate authenticate you securely. And that's definitely a plus and a win. It sounds like it's a much more usable approach to working with complex passwords in a smartphone factor. Absolutely. And we all know that if something gets easier to use, more people will use it because then they don't really have to bother with copying passwords or remembering typing in strong passwords. So we think people will go for the simple solution. And here, the simple solution is actually the more secure version as well. One of the big trends in the enterprise, obviously, has been BYOD, bring your own device. Enterprises are struggling, I would imagine, to keep up with all of the different devices that they have working inside the enterprise. One of their tools has been mobile device management, or MDM. What is Apple doing on this front with iOS 8 to hopefully make life easier for enterprise administrators? Obviously, Apple is trying to strongen its position in the enterprise market. So they improved their MDM solution quite a bit, providing new features for the administrator to actually control the user's device better. So they can still allow or block certain applications, but now they have a finer granularity in deciding what to do. That goes down to even defining which application can open which document, revoking permissions centrally, and allowing better feature sets to actually define what the user can do and what the applications are allowed to do as well. And there's a few more features like VPN or per message S-MIME encryption, which definitely could be useful for a few enterprises because allowing them to better utilize those devices and making, again, as we said, easier and simpler for the user to use it and therefore probably more acceptable to actually allow those changes to happen. I guess there's a trade-off there. If they're going to try to lock down the security, they have to make sure that the device remains highly functional. It's always a trade-off 
of the bring your own devices on how much restriction the enterprise or the company can apply to those devices because most people they still want to have their games they still want to have their own applications so either they have to be in their own virtual sandbox or they cannot destroy any of the corporate data but if you lock it down completely I agree most people would probably refrain from using it because they still want to have their personality reflected on their smartphone. Do you know if the VPN feature is all or nothing or if it can be applied on a per app basis? So far, it looks like the always-on VPN feature can actually be applied to uh, specific applications, which would make sense because otherwise you would have to ensure that no other app can piggyback on that VPN tunnel back into the company, which obviously would be pretty dangerous. Also, they have to make sure that the VPN is not draining down your battery if you have a constant connection in the background. So they made some improvements there, and I think it's a very good approach as well because in the end, if the user does not have to manually reconnect every time they want to connect to a specific internal application or intranet website, it makes it a lot easier and usable for the end user and therefore probably allow for more stronger security to be used as well. So it's like a background VPN on demand feature by the looks of it. Exactly. At the moment, it looks like it can be defined and configured to be used with specific applications, and then on demand, it will spin up and actually use the tunnel to securely communicate back to the enterprise. We were speaking about BYOD. Possibly eclipsing that on the hype front is the Internet of Things. I know that Apple is working to integrate HealthKit and HomeKit platforms into iOS 8. What are the potential upsides? Well, I assume that it definitely will boost the whole interaction with those Internet of Things devices because the iPhone is definitely a large enough platform that the vendors will care about it and actually implement their own interfaces to it. So we think that more people will probably have access and use their home automation devices or similar stuff with their smartphones in the future. So probably gives even more boost and hype to the Internet of Things devices. Regarding the health kit, I think it's... A good and a smart move to have a central predefined storage for this sensitive information because some of the information is definitely pretty personal and you don't really want to have it unsecurely shared on your device. This central control center allows the user actually to know what's happening with the information and by the looks of it, it looks that Apple has offering quite a granular permission system which allows on a per app basis to define if they have read-write access or only read access to certain application data which would make sense because the downside side is that once you have all the juicy and sensitive information in one central place, it also makes an enticing target for attackers. So we have to ensure that you're not allowing an application to actually read out all your information from those central storage without you noticing it. So you don't really want your flashlight application to actually read out your medical records from the last year without you noticing it. We have seen that in the past, haven't we, with flashlight applications requesting every permission under the sun. Exactly. In the past, and probably for the future as well, most people while installing applications, they don't really read the user agreements and the privacy policies. They usually just click on next, next, next because they want to install this application like the flashlight application. If they would read it, they probably would have seen that the application is asking for too much permission or actually is accessing information that they should not have. But there are a few things which can be done to actually limit that. There's a few features in iOS 8, including for the health kit, 
which should hopefully limit this permission nightmare. It definitely brings more security. Also, in regards to the home kit, which is the central place for controlling all your home automation and other Internet of Things devices, which means you can control your smart TV, probably your light, your lamps and everything, or even open up your door with your smartphone, which sounds pretty amazing and interesting, but obviously means that you have to secure those access credentials as well. And what happens if you lose your phone, if someone else can then switch on or off your lamps or even open up your windows, that's probably not something you want to have. But again, it looks like Apple is actually aware of those threats, so they built in a few security features. For example, the HomeKit cannot be used in the background, which means that a Trojan horse should not be able to actually, in the background, switch open all your windows and unlock your door without you noticing it. So hopefully there's no back pass on that one, and then the user still has to control over all his Internet of Things devices. So it sounds like a smart implementation move on Apple's part to keep these features, which can have a lot of impact, very front and center for the user. Exactly. So far, from what we've seen from the beta version of iOS 8, it looks like uh, Apple definitely has privacy and security of those informations at a higher priority, which is good. Obviously, as we said, with the go-to-fail bug and others in the history, it still has to be reasoned that vulnerabilities do occur, so there might still be a bug which hasn't been spotted yet, which could be misused by attackers. It sounds like Apple is going to start randomizing its MAC addresses. Is that a good move? I think randomizing the MAC address for Wi-Fi probes definitely is a good and smart move. As we already have seen a lot of market companies actually in supermarkets or malls tracking people just by identifying those MAC addresses. So it will help to reduce the risk of being tracked um, unknowingly. But on the other hand, there's still a few ways that they can actually track you. For example, once you connect to the Wi-Fi network, obviously the real MAC address will be used. So if a coffee shop is just offering free Wi-Fi, we all know that most people will probably use it and sign up and then they can still be tracked. And there's other ways like Bluetooth, which includes the iBacon trackers, which are heavily pushed by Apple. They give more control to the user, but in the end, they still allow to be tracked. So I think the randomization of the MAC address is a right step into the right direction, but it will not eradicate all of the, the means of tracking the users. We've discussed a lot of interesting upcoming security changes in iOS 8. Is there anything that you think Apple has missed out on at this point? Or do you see this as a natural next step in the evolution of how iOS handles privacy and security? iOS 8 definitely boosts up the security again, and it's a good evolution of the, let's say, security demand that we see for those devices. Obviously, there's always a wish list if not yet answered. For me personally, I'm still missing the user profiles, so allowing to share your iPad with multiple people without having to lock down every application individually. So having one that you share with uh, kids in the car or at home if you have guests visiting, stuff like that could definitely be improved a little bit more. And also just having a better, let's say, system view or control over which application is really running in the background and accessing which data would be nice for uh, the more tech-savvy people, for sure. Candid, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks as well. My pleasure. I'm Matthew Schwartz with Information Security Media Group.